0: be enlarged and enriched by everything, for you are the sons and daughters of Michigan, and you have everything it takes to be the hope of the
1: world. Hi, I'm Deborah Holtship, editor of Michigan Today. Happy graduation season! That voice you just heard was celebrated Baptist preacher and professor, Charles Adams, as he sent off the class in 1986. Brought the lofty, did he not? Very lofty. So on May 1st, about 4,000 members of the class of 21 gathered for a pre-taped virtual ceremony in Michigan Stadium. This sounds kind of weird, and it, and it kind of was. It was like a drive-in movie in the daytime, but... The 90-minute production was top-notch, and at least the students had a place to gather this year. They cheered, they booed, they took a bunch of pictures, a couple of them got in trouble for drinking from a flask, it's all good. Commencement season tends to be jubilant and inspiring, and the speakers brave enough to accept the challenge come in every form. Funny, boring, serious, controversial, Michigan is no exception. This year, noted civil rights attorney Bryan Stevenson delivered a stirring speech. All sorts of interesting characters have spoken at U of M commencement, from sitting U.S. presidents to the former CEO of Twitter. I was there that year. He took a selfie with the entire crowd. Rob Havy at the Bentley Library did me a huge solid by pulling audio samples of an eclectic batch of prior U of M speakers. It's so illuminating. It said there's nothing new in rock and roll, and it should come as no surprise there's nothing new in commencement speeches either. The world needs you, don't you know, and you have all the tools and knowledge to make things right. Of course, there are many, many ways to say that, leaders and best, so listen in. The next voice you're going to hear is filmmaker Lawrence Kasdan speaking to the class of 1990.
0: People have been asking me, did you write your commencement address yet? It was very annoying. I felt that since I was returning to the scene of my collegiate career, I should approach this speech the same way I approached my term papers back then. Method. <laughs> procrastinate. And then put it off a little while. As the deadline near, it's important to procrastinate a little more. And then, when it was upon you, pull a nighter. But in this case, with this speech, I was worried about one thing. Is it possible to ask 14,000 people for an incomplete? I decided not. It was 20 years ago this weekend that my own commencement took place in this same intimate setting. But unlike you, I did not attend. of my friends are here today they were in that same class and they were supposed to be here on that day in 1970 but instead they're at their first commencement today we've all decided to graduate with you even back then behind my confidence and my optimism and my certainty about the world there was a second me One that lived in private, in secret, a second me who was confused and afraid and clearly unprepared to go out into the world. Well, for any of you out there who share this feeling, for whom confidence is a coin flipping from moment to moment. any given day can hold the brightest hopes and the grimmest discouragement, for whom any argument can suddenly twist in the wind and change from absolute clarity to murky complexity, for all you people with at least two selves, I have this
1: news, it never changes. Okay, see, casting goes for the funny here, and the audience is eating it up. But as any good commencement speaker knows, you have to leave them with something, something profound.
0: The hardest thing in the world is to let yourself know what you know. Why? Because life is noisy everything we're told everything about the way we're raised and educated and bombarded by our culture makes noise and that noise makes it very hard to hear the ticking of our own hearts and it's only when you hear the quiet tick from deep in your being that you can know what you know and trust what you know and be
1: Kasdan does not disappoint. Cartoonist Kathy Guyswhite really went for the self-deprecating mode. She was basically true to her persona, her animated persona, (laughs) which she developed at U of M, many a lonely night eating ice cream, apparently. So, of course, she cracked wise about unrealistic expectations and all that kind of stuff, but she made it a point to encourage new grads just the same.
0: Give up the quest for perfection and shoot for five good minutes in a row. Remember what you love. If you want something to change, do something different. Let yourself graduate every four years. And when you're demoralized with no hope in your hearts and a pint of haagen in your stomach, crawl over to the box of junk you never quite got organized, pull out your diploma and
1: remember the best clue of all. If you made it through this place, you can do anything.
0: Congratulations.
1: Now here's author Joyce Carol Oates, sounding positively and appropriately bookish.
2: The life of the mind, the life of art, the life of civilization itself, are not decreed by nature, but are the results of human imagination and ceaseless effort. These precious qualities of life are not permanent, but in fact precarious in one generation, or indeed in considerably less of space of time that can be irreparably lost. In this time of national indecision, fragmentation, and factualism, make a conscious effort to enlarge your sympathies. In this time of internal divisions, Resist the unthinking instinct to define yourselves in terms of opposition and difference of race, religion, and gender. Your effort will not go unheralded or unappreciated. Thank you very much. We've clearly
1: had many people of letters speaking to our newly minted grads, and no one will be surprised that documentarian Ken Burns took the history route, suggesting a simple method to secure one's immortality.
3: Write, write letters, keep journals. Besides your children, there is no sure way of achieving immortality. Write more, send messages. Remember there is nothing more incredible than being a witness to history. And when we remember, it brings a refinement and an elegance that enters our lives and never leaves.
1: I mean, really. How much do we love ken burns He's so cool all right so the next voice you're going to hear is russian american poet and essayist joseph brodsky he says some amazing things about politicians and victimhood that basically could have been said to the class of 21. the accent's a little challenging but stick with it it's very interesting
4: try not to set too much store by a politician by politicians, not so much because they are dumb or dishonest, which is more often uh, than not is the case, but because of the size of, the, of their job, which is too big even for the best among them. Don't expect a just world to be brought about by an individual or by any particular group of them, by this or that political party, doctrine, system, or a blueprint thereof. All they, all they or those can do at best is to diminish social evil, not eradicate it at all costs, Try to avoid granting yourself the status of, of the victim. Of all parts of your body, be most vigilant over your index finger, for it's blame thirsty. A pointed finger is a victim's logo, the opposite of the V sign and the synonym for surrender, no, mat- no matter how abominable your condition may be. Try not to blame anything or anybody, history, the state, superiors, race, parents, the face of the moon, childhood, toilet, training, etc. The menu, the menu is vast and tedious. And this vastness and tedium alone should be offensive enough to set one's intelligence against choosing from it. The moment that you place blame somewhere, you undermine your resolve to co- change anything.
1: Next up is novelist and U of M professor Charlie Baxter he spent a little time talking about anxiety.
4: In a historical
0: period dominated by anxiety, that very anxiety can be a corrective to mindless and perhaps selfish optimism. We cannot get rid of our anxieties or our histories, nor should we try. We would become foolhardy if we did. But we are in a time when we should be careful not to let anxiety prevent us from imagining that a fascinating and unpredictable future still exists and that great plans are still in the works.
1: Thank goodness Baxter ended on a high note. The future, there's still good plans in your future. Let's hope so. Now, our final entry here is Toni Morrison, yet another author. I guess they make for good speeches, right? She did a little bit of time warping with her remarks. (laughs) You'll see what I mean in a second. She just sounds so majestic here. So awesome.
3: I want to suggest to you that while it may be true that the future, your future, is in your hands, I want to suggest to you that the past is also in your hands. Concentrating heavily on changing and managing the future, we don't realize that the past is changeable as well. Of all the adages, the ones about refusing to cry over spilt milk, or life goes on, that the dead past bury its dead, these sayings encourage us to dismiss what's happened to get on with it and not worry about yesterday or last year or last century. I disagree. History has a flexible side. Of course, it can be repeated disastrously or be reformed in new guises, but it can be critiqued, it can be analyzed, and artists can reinvent it so that it yields new information about itself and about the present as well as the future. And each time we critique and examine it, it can deliver other information and insight that in fact changes what we know about it. That is the heart of much of the education you have already had here. That is the urgent enterprise these days when blood and rage bubble together in the streets. My point is you are not bound by the future and more importantly, you are not bound by the past. The past is already different for you because it's yours. The past is already changing because we are re-examining it, listening to its deeper, wider sound waves. The past can be more liberating than the future if you're willing to identify its evasions, its distortions, its lies, and unleash its secrets and its truth. So I want to wish you not only the brightest of futures, but also The best of pasts.
1: Thank you. Intense, right? Let's all change the past. Somehow that's going to make a better future. Interesting concept. Well, much like Lawrence Kasdan, I did not attend my college graduation, which is strange because I love it so much. Each time I work at U of M Commencement, I get a thrill stepping into that empty stadium. It's the coolest experience, and we're so lucky to get to do it. This year, the sun was shining, and the crew was playing Here Comes the Sun when I came out of the tunnel. Oh, my God, with a little tear of gratitude, I said a prayer to my Wolverine dad, class of 49, engineering. I just feel really close to him there. He just loved Michigan football. Okay, then, toss your cap in the air, Go crack the
2: champagne, and as always, Go Blue!